Hello and welcome to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize, a podcast about the business side of being a creative. My name is Chris Scott. My name is Atish. And in this week's episode, we sort of check in on recent projects and discuss learning from previous mistakes. What's going on, Atish? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Um... Work's been good. Phoenix has been okay. I went to, uh, here's something that, here's a newsflash from the city. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I went to this restaurant called Sumamaya. Okay. What's the menu like? So, okay, so that's the thing. It sounds like it would be dog shit, but it's actually great. It's like Asian-Mexican fusion. Asian-Mexican fusion. Yeah. Is that like sushi Ritos? Yeah, like that, but like not. So this is a place in Scottsdale, so everything's really overpriced and it's like busy. And the one annoying thing was like there was a the food was phenomenal. Uh-huh. Like that's the thing I was digging it. The part that I don't like, and this is a thing basically in Scottsdale, and like you know you here in Tucson you see more and more of these places crop up as Tucson's expanding, like restaurants that have like a live DJ in it. Oh yeah, I hate that. It's because it's always annoying. way too loud, you know what I mean? And and I don't mean like in an old person way, like, it's way too loud in here, you know, whatever. But just in general, like if I'm sitting across the table and I have to be like at an elevated volume, you know, to talk. To have a, a, a normal uh, conversation. Right. An intimate I, conversation even. Yeah, that, that kind of, I don't, I don't enjoy that, you know. Yeah, and you can't, your waiter can't hear you and then. Yeah, like literally when I was placing my order, she had to like lean in, like we were like this far away from each other yeah yeah but anyways uh it was actually really really good like there was sushi with like certain i I don't want to say salsa but like habanero like stuff which was really cool um we had this like calabacitas guacamole that also had some asian spices i I don't know it it was fucking phenomenal it was really great food that sounds good so a i found that and definitely recommend it b I think, uh, so you know all these people who are on trend with, like, keto and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? All these, like, hype fad things or whatever. They're totally on board with this place, but uh, have you ever gone to a Brazilian steakhouse? I don't think I have. Okay. I think they're, or like, a churrascaria, if Is you Is it hairless all over? <laughs> Do you have to be hairless? Yeah, in general. you From the waist down? D- yeah, basically. Oh. Um, it's it's uh, required attire. Sign me up. Yeah. (laughs) I'll meet you midway. Um, No. So uh, these places, like, like I think the most popular one or the most known one, they're expensive. So that's why it's, like, not really something I would do on the regular or anything like that. Uh But it's this place, like, there's this place called Fogo de Chao. Fogo de Chao. Yeah. Brazilian. Yes. Have Have you heard of this place? I have not. Oh, okay. So basically they have, like, um, it, you pay some flat fee, you know what I mean? And it's, and it's pretty pricey. Like, that's the thing. It's, it's pretty pricey. Like you're paying 45 bucks probably. I, I forget exactly. But it's like a three course meal. Well, so what it is, is like, there's a, a platter of cold raw food? sort of salad bar, if you will, but not in like a, uh, not in like a sweet tomato sort of way, like where it's ghetto and bullshit. Like uh-huh. it has stuff like you know, uh, chilled calamari and like, you know, whatever, like there's just a whole bunch of shit. Okay. But then these guys come around with like 
skewers, like swords, full of different kinds of meat. And they're just like, oh, do you want this uh, whatever? It's it's this kind of animal or whatever. And then they, like, it's flamed and cooked right there. And they, like, slice it off for you. And then, like, they just keep coming around. And you have this little stick that's basically uh, green, yellow, and red. Like, it's, it's uh, what's that called? Layered? Sure. So so if you have green, if you had the green side turned up, that means it's like green light, go. Like, bring me all the meats. Like, let's do it. And they just, like, cycle around and it's all kinds of different shit, right? If you put it on its side yellow, it means, like, I'm not done eating, but I'm, like, chilling out. You uh-huh. know? Like, I'm just, you know, like, ah, don't, you know, don't, don't bother us. Red light means cashing out. You okay. know what I mean? And you just do, you just do that. So I, uh, I don't intentionally do stuff. Like, people are like, oh, do you do intermittent fasting or like are you keto like all these all these different buzzwords and it's like no i don't do any of that stuff no, you're naturally thin why would you do any of that stuff? right right exactly but but it's because like i don't eat lunch during the middle of the day so then people are like oh man are you intermittent fasting do you you know whatever should i start fasting during the middle of the day i'm like no no no, no. there's no protocol here i just get really tired if i eat in the middle of the day and then my, the rest of my work day fucking sucks also i eat like a slob and I'm yeah, exactly. Change your opinion of me in the workplace. Exactly. Have, have you ever seen me eat a burrito? It's oh, disgusting. It is disgusting. <laughs> Ooh. Should we, should, re- we should record it and sell it to Japan. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of thing they'd be into. <laughs> um, Beeline, you want to get some pie? You don't eat pie. I don't do sugar. I don't really do sugar. Uh, but I do want a burrito from there. Want to go after this and I'll eat pie while you eat a burrito? Yeah, kind of. Let's do that. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea. Um, I will have to. Uh, I'm staying in Airbnb right now. Okay. So I will have to grab my shit first and like because we gotta. We gotta oh yeah. Che- we gotta check out. Like. <laughs> uh, you said flexible time, but I know that they're booked this uh, not this evening, but tomorrow. So like they probably they're gonna clean up or whatever. Yeah. It was a really nice house. Was it? Yeah, and it was super cheap too. So. That's that's kind of I really enjoy like Airbnb is I guess what you would call a disruptive product for sure. For sure. Because, you know, hotels have gotten so fucking expensive for so lo- like for instance the phenomenon of, you know, Hotel Congress. Uh-huh. Now I've never stayed there, but I've been in someone's room who was staying there and it's tiny and it's dilapidated and it's whatever. But you're paying like 120 a night. Yeah, for a room without a TV. Yeah. That you know, it's it's going to be loud as fuck, you know. If you get above the club. Yeah, exactly. If you're above, if you're, and so then it's loud until like 3 a.m. or something like that. It's like, man, you know, you're not really, for how much you're paying, you're not really getting a whole lot. And then there's those A-loft hotels that just opened up. Uh-huh. You know, those are expensive as shit too. And, and it's like, you kind of, uh, Airbnb is great because it's like you get this and, you know, I don't need to be touting this. <laughs> Everybody knows Airbnb is great. That um, It's like, I'm. it's not like I'm late to the party or anything like that, but um yeah it's like we got the comforts of like a house and uh that was the best part is you know we got to like grizzly of course is a little too young to like stay by himself at the house you know what i mean so we were able to like bring our dog with us which at a hotel i don't know if that's kosher uh yeah some hotels i think are good with it but not yeah. all hotels but also elevators and hallways and you're trapped in a building with a dog right right like let's say we're not on the first floor you know, uh-huh. I got to take every time he has to go take a piss. I got to take an elevator down to, you know, her. fuck that. Yeah, it's a bit crazy. Yeah, I've been meaning to. Um, so the back of our apartment has a sliding glass door and you can find these inserts on Amazon that um, 
You've been talking about this for a while. Okay, yeah. So here's how bad of a procrastinator I am, okay? Because I have the money. I know the object that I want, you know, like whatever. Um, I, like, it should be that easy. But there are two different measurements for height. There's like an 81 inch and then there's a 70 something inch. And that's just the last step. But I don't, because I didn't have a tape measure, I just like never, never did it. And it's like, just go, I just need to go buy a tape measure. Can't you estimate what the difference between some... between like seventy five and eighty one inches? No, that's six inches. That's half a foot. Yeah, but what I can't eyeball that. How that's how like how, how, how tall do you think your doorway is? Seventy six. What makes you say that? I don't know, but I have a tape measure right here, and I can measure it. Do you want to borrow it? <laughs> no, I'll uh, I'll never bring it back down. Trust me. Just bring it back down on the twelfth. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't know what's new with you, man. I guess just got done working on phase one of this crazy werewolf movie, and now remind me, this is not this is not for not, me. You, yeah, I was hired as a director of photography. Uh huh. And it was a bizarre experience, just because of how unorganized and how organized for some reason. How unorganized? I always say that word weird, and I think I that's like when you say rather, I say organized. And no, we, no, we, wait, we wait, both, wait. We both sound like idiots. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I would, I, I, uh, I belay that remark, okay? Because rather is just a difference in pronunciation. Organized is not a word. So those are two different concepts. Or, organized, organized. Okay. <laughs> so it was, it wasn't organized. I have issues with that word and with canon or canyon. Canyon. Canyon or canon or. I, I have a hard time knowing which time to use the, those words. Yeah. It's anyway. Anyways. There's something wrong with that part of my brain. There was a, um, did I ever talk to you about the spill movie review people? The spill. Spill. No. Uh, so spill movie reviews was a site that was on, I think it was a part of like Hollywood.com or something like that, which I don't even know what that is, but I guess it was a big thing. Okay. And, um, they did these movie reviews in long format, like a podcast, but then um, they would condense it into about five minutes and like they would animate their characters. So they're like talking and they're animated and they'd be like funny and you know, whatever. Um, but there was this guy and they all had fake names except for Corey. Corey Coleman was the actual, like he was the main guy and that was his real name, but the rest of them had like fake personas. Okay. I don't, I don't really know wh- <laughs> why, but anyways, there was one of the guys who was called Cyrus, and I realized that he says woman, but he, like, he says that, uh, like, he means women, like, plural, but he says woman, singular. Hmm. Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> uh, this werewolf movie wasn't as organized. Well, um, it wasn't, I don't think, I don't, I guess it was or, 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 organized or organized. Jesus Christ. Organ, organized. <laughs> organized. Organized. In the director's head, but it wasn't communicated well to the rest of yeah. everybody. Yeah. So there would be days where we were shooting on a green screen and I'd be like, he's like, oh, we're in the, inside the school right now with the green screen we're shooting the actor like all right so, yeah well what's happening inside the school he's like it's nighttime and that's all he would tell me and then i would set up the green screen and i would light it like it was nighttime and then i say hey actor come step in so we can see what you look like on camera 
And I'm like, so what are you going to be doing during the scene? And the actor would be like, I don't know, but I know the place is on fire. Wait. So it's like, if the place is on fire, that means the light's going to look different on a green screen. Right. And it's like, I wish I knew that before. Before I lit this to be like outside dark night. <laughs> right. Before I, before just in general, I just wish I knew that. Well, also, isn't that kind of concretely, um, because if you're doing a scene in a live set and I don't know anything about this, so maybe this is a stupid assumption, but you can, you get direction from the environment. You know what I mean? But if you're doing something on a green screen and the actor says, I don't know, but it's on fire. That sounds worrisome to me because it's like, wait, what do you mean? You don't know? Because how are we supposed to know what this is going to look like if we're shooting it on a green screen and you don't know what you're doing? Like what? Right. That sounds difficult. It is. It was, it was interesting. It was like, it was fun to fly at the seat of your pants. It reminded me of film school back in the day (laughs) where we show up. It's like, what's happening? And we're like, how are we going to make this happen? And you just use whatever you have to make it happen. Uh-huh. You know, it's a different level of creativity as opposed to if you're in Hollywood, it's like, oh, it's the room's on fire. We can't do it without this flicker box and this <laughs> type of light and this. And all you're doing green screen, we got to rent a studio that has a silent wall. And it's continue con- infinity green screen. Right, right. So, so basically everything is. Uh... We need 50 feet between the actors and the green wall so we don't get any spill. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're just kind of you're like just doing it. Well, yeah, I don't know. I've always I I think this is why I work well with Jaime is because we both kind of just don't dwell on what we don't have to make it happen and kind of just yeah. figure out how to make what we have work. Yeah, and it's always a pain in the butt, but it always works. And yeah. so yeah, yeah, there's no t- there's no use in spending all that energy thinking if this would be I sh- I can't do it without this. Uh huh. It's like you can do whatever you want. You can figure it out. I think that's another form of basically like people um, kind of making excuses in a weird way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've definitely had that thought process before where it's like, well, you know, it's it's like, uh, well, it's raining outside, so, you know, I won't leave now. I'll go, I'll go later. Right. You know, whatever. And then you don't end up doing shit or you don't get it done. You know, whatever. It's like allowing these like minor inconveniences to block up a major thing. Right. As opposed to, you know, just like, okay, it's not perfect, but you know what? Let, let's make it the best we can. And at least we've done something. Right. Yeah. So is this a... So that was another thing about this is that um, I think the original shoot days were set for May. And the reason why I was brought on board is because the original director of photography was traveling the, the whole month of June for work. Uh-huh. And the second half of June for work. And I think they're supposed to shoot in May because the main actor, the lead star of the movie, uh, was getting married the first or the last weekend of J- May, first weekend of June area. Uh-huh. And they wanted to have it sh- shot before that, his wedding. Oh. But they missed it. Well, yeah, evidently. <laughs> I think the director is a, he's a, he's a, a special effects artist. So okay. that's like his specialty. Oh, gotcha. Like, and now he's, he's directed a few movies, but now he's like. I want to do a werewolf movie with a cool transformation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that sounds exciting. That sounds awesome. When are we going to do the transformation shot with this guy turning into a werewolf? Yeah. And it was like, oh, we're not doing the practical effects anymore, the real life effects. We're doing it all digitally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's like the difference between like, um, wasn't, uh, was it American Werewolf in London or whatever? Was yeah. that, wasn't that all practical effects? It was all practical. Yeah. It was all in camera. They yeah. would do like, they would pull hair through the skin. 
backwards uh-huh. and then reverse it. So it looks like the hair was growing. Oh, cool. They do all sorts of cool stuff like that. So I thought I'd be something like that. It'd be, I yeah. thought that'd be a cool experience. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, it didn't happen. Shifted to digital. So they missed the wedding deadline. So they're like, all right, after the wedding, we can shoot this movie, right? And it's like, sure, but we have to be done by June 30th because we're moving to Atlanta, Hotlanta. What? Forever. Like, this is it. So we had like two weeks to film this movie because this guy was moving, moving to, to Atlanta. Hotlanta. Hotlanta. And I'm like, why? Why? This sounds like a whole lot of pressure in a lot of different directions. Like, as if making a movie isn't difficult enough. Now you got to, like, okay, well, there's a wedding somewhere in here, and then we're moving on this end. And it's like, god damn, that's introducing a whole lot of extra tension where there needs not be any. Yeah. For some reason, he was dead set on this guy being the werewolf. And I think it's because maybe in April, he probably took, like, a mold of his face. Oh. And he started working on all these practical effects. Yeah. And he didn't get them done in time because... He's uh he's he's kind of a free spirit. He kind of just like gets lost in the moment, you mm-hmm. know. Um, there's a kid on the set. Uh, he seemed he was very much a free spirit as well. Yeah, and he was he was a low talker, and was like, oh, look at that orange! Isn't that a great orange? Let's talk about this orange for a minute. Oh, he was like an NPR guy. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna take a picture of this orange. I'm gonna use that later. <laughs> And I'm like, can you go grab me a light? He's like, uh, yeah, but look at this orange. <laughs> and I'm like, just we're on like a crazy schedule and you want to stop and talk about yeah, orange yeah. for a second. Yeah. Those are every now and then I feel like I need to introduce a little bit more of that personality into, into but that sounds like too much. You know what I mean? Like there are times where I feel like certain opportunities or certain things are revealed to me or like, or like, you know, these, these little things are, you know, when you meet somebody, you know, somewhere and they give you their business card or something and they're like, you know, oh yeah, you know, you seem like you might have a knack for this or, or, Hey, yeah, if you have any questions about this and, and that's kind of how I feel like opportunities are made. Like, I I don't think really people, I mean, yeah, like LinkedIn and stuff, but I don't think like just applying for jobs is how things work like that anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel like you kind of like networking is the key and like meeting people. And for instance, um, my, when I first started at this job, my boss was uh, this guy from Harvard, right? Okay. Smart guy, you know, whatever. He had only been there for a couple months longer than I, like I, so I started, he had been there for like three or four months prior to that. And then about three months into me, so him having been there six months total, so this is about three months ago, he got promoted to, like, a huge, like, direct up, up, up director position. Like, he's, you know, and he hadn't been there for that long, and it was because he was in the same fraternity as uh, the CFO. Oh. You know what I mean? So they're, they're like, rubbing elbows, and they're going and getting beers and, you know, whatever. So it's, like, I kind of think that that um, these opportunities sort of reveal themselves, and there's that... Uh, not to be too, uh, but you saw that Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man, right? I think I did. Oh, was that the one where he's not allowed to say no? Yeah, he like thinks, so basically he makes like a covenant with... Uh, Morgan Freeman? No. Um, oh, that was... The white version Bruce of Morgan Almighty. Freeman. Uh, what's that guy's name? I know his... T- oh, no, I don't know. He plays Terrence in Entourage. Uh, What is his name? You know, he's the the old guy who basically fucked uh, 
like Ari Gold's chances at some agency or whatever. Like he fired him and then Terrence McEwitt. But Terrence his name, Stamp. Huh? His real name is Terrence Stamp. Wait, his real name is Terrence? Yeah. Oh. That's like It's a disappointment. I realized um now I'm multi threading, I'm going off on too much of a tangent, but uh Joe Rogan used to be on this sitcom in the 90s called News Radio. I remember it well. Yeah. I thought it was interesting because I, of course, am only watching it now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, but I thought it was interesting that they like called him Joe. And I wonder if they do that because like, because Joe Rogan, awesome comedian, excellent, you know, martial artist, excellent, whatever. But I don't know if he was necessarily ever that like good of an actor. Okay. You know what I mean? So I wonder if they do that just like you always get that like organic response instead of like a delay. Like if you forget that my name is, uh, I'm playing Matt, you know? I don't know if they go that far with it. No? I'm looking it up. Who? Terrence or, or Joe? Terrence and Terrence. Oh, Terrence and Terrence. Um, what now, was... why was I... T- oh, yeah. So, <laughs> right. I got so far off track. So, uh... So, yeah, Yes Man's the one where he makes a covenant with Terrence and um, where he has to say yes or else bad things will happen to him. But, of course, that's just, like, it's, it's not a real thing. Like, that's the conceit of the movie. He mm-hmm. just, like, buys into it so heavy. But I, I kind of feel like that's something I need to be a l- little bit better at. Like, not necessarily being a Yes Man in general, but, like... All right. Uh, to cut you off here for a second. Yeah. Terrence Strump is the actor from Yes Man. Okay. He's not the actor from Entourage. What? Who's played by Malcolm McDowell, whose name on Malcolm, whose name on Entourage is Terrence. Wait, wait. So you're telling me <laughs> that Terrence, actual name Terrence. So there's this guy, Malcolm McDow- McDowell. Okay, that's the Entourage McHugh. guy. Yeah. This is Entourage guy. All right. And then who's the guy from... Terrence Stamp is his name, is the guy from... Holy shit. So you're telling me it's just a coincidence that I yeah. confused a guy actually named Terrence? Terrence. With... For a character named Terrence. But they do look similar. Yeah, you can see it, right? Yeah. I mean, they're both old white men with solid white hair. Yeah, exactly. And they... they uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyways. That's weird. Yeah, man. See that right there. If I was more of a more of an NPR hippie kind of guy, quiet, soft spoken, I would think like, "Oh wow, that's the universe speaking to me." Yeah, but it probably has nothing to do with anything. But you do need to be more of a yes man, and well, less of a overthinker man. I'm starting to realize um, that there are like some bold choices that I probably need to make here. Yeah, you know, at at about. Um, I'm giving myself till the year mark because when, when I hit a year, just in general, my value is very high or like higher than, uh-huh. than it is now. Um, I don't know why that is, but that's just kind of the, the rule of thumb. Sure. I didn't, I didn't make up the rules. But Sounds like you are. When I hit that point, it's kind of like I kind of think that basically I'm going to hit the point where I have to make some bold choices. Mm-hmm. Because I'm really discovering, you know, um, like I'm lucky to kind of work for like a young sort of tech company right now. You know what I mean? But I'm also realizing that the way that like large corporations and businesses and like these, uh, I'm starting to realize that just kind of the way these workflows, like for me, it's pretty good because I operate 
most of my day I operate as an individual. Uh huh. But there's when I have to do stuff that involves, you know, so many um so many different departments and so many different people and stuff, you really start to understand kind of how like they, these office kind of jobs have a lot of hang ups. Well yeah. And I'm not necessarily against that per se, but I kind of um I'm realizing there's a trend like there are always going to be big, large corporations like this where these jobs are available. But I think a lot of um, the workforce today is getting a lot more entrepreneurial. And that's why you can get these small groups of people who do these fantastic things because it's like, well, you don't have to stick to any one role. I'm kind of interdisciplinary and whatever. Uh-huh. Like, for instance, do you know um, Four Sigmatic? Four Sigmatic? Yeah. No relation to Six Sigma or anything like oh, that. Oh, I don't. So Four Sigmatic is um, a company that I really admire. Um, I've been, I've been kind of, uh, I'm a, well, A, I'm a fan of their products, but also B, I kind of just admire the structure of the company and like what they do. Like, have you, I don't, I don't, you probably haven't like looked or applied for jobs recently at all. No, for, no. For like Ever. 10 years. <laughs> um, but uh, I've noticed this upwards trend in younger companies that say, hey, you don't see anything that directly fits your experience? Why don't you send us your resume and your cover letter and just tell us what you do? And like, we probably could use that. Uh And it's that kind of mentality. So that's what Four Sigmatic, um, they make teas and coffee and these like little elixir packets that are made with mushrooms. Oh. um, Chaga, Rishi, Lion's Mane, and some other different kinds of mushrooms. Interesting. And these all have different effects. And you know me. Like, I love that kind of biohacking type stuff. So I've been drinking mushroom tea for a while. It's been very pleasant. Has it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that they're just a small... Because the founder is, you know, in Sweden or something like that. But they just have remote people, you know, and it's like a small company, but they have remote people. Like, they have, oh, here's our, like, fulfillment guy. He was just really good at Amazon and e-commerce, so he handles all our e- e-commerce. He's out there in Chicago, uh-huh. you know, so he's, like, an independent unit himself. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's our CEO and the founder and you know, whatever, and he's in Sweden with the collection of the three other guys who founded it and you know, whatever. And, oh, this person in California, they do, you know, whatever. And I've realized that there's a growing trend that you can be a part of a large company or a, a large or, like, a, you know, big time job basically but in an independent sense right i mean this goes back to tim ferris's four-hour work week yeah hiring virtual assistants to take care of the things that you don't want to be doing i mean it's a grander scale it's it's this nobody needs to be in the same building right for 40 hours a week to make a business work exactly and so that's you know for me i kind of think that is emboldening a word sure it is now okay I think, sounds like something I would say, so yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of um, that episode of The Simpsons where they... Never saw it. Imbi- really? Yeah. Wait, you've never watched any of The Simpsons? I've seen some, not, but whatever you're talking about, I probably have not seen. Okay, well, I'm probably going to start you on like season five, and you need to roll through at least season 14. I once went to a random house gathering at one of the original creators of The Simpsons. Really? In LA, but he wasn't on board for all the years he was on for like the pilot episode and then they kicked him off but because he, he was involved with the pilot he still gets paid simpsons money oh interesting so, that's a fucking sweet gig it was an interesting day and then we then uh, i was with uh Stephen kramer glickman 
and his sister and his sister went to some fancy restaurant and yelled at a waitress oh my god why i don't know but i was sitting in the and on the hood of the car listening to this it was really bizarre it was a bizarre experience yeah this sounds it was a bizarre week that was a bizarre week <laughs> anyway was this in la yeah it was in okay. LA. of course it was in la oh with steven kramer glickman yeah of course but uh but on top of just being un- unorganized, uh, there's like a communication, there are communication barriers. And we talked about communication. Uh-huh. And so like knowing the solutions, I wasn't being like short and upset about it because I understood where he was coming from as a director. Right. And, but now I've experienced what other people have complained about me that I just never understood. Which is? Uh, like th- when I say things or how I respond to certain questions. Like I can, I now understand why it's frustrating to people. It's, uh, I don't know. You know how people are like, oh, you do that wrong. You're doing that wrong. And you're like, how am I supposed to do it? And they never really tell you. Yeah. Or the way they explain how you're supposed to do it doesn't make any sense. Right. And you're like, whatever. I'm just going to continue doing this this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Or I'm going to change this one thing. And it's the thing that was probably okay that you shouldn't have changed. Yeah. And they're still upset and you're like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. But now I experienced what everyone else was complaining about. Which in your case is what? Your your truncated response, you're very blunt? No, it's uh it's walking into a scene. Let's say we're gonna go film a scene in this room. Uh-huh. So I've uh, let's say I've written the scene. I know the scene pretty well. I know what's happening in the scene, but I just haven't figured out how to shoot it yet. Or I don't know which camera angles I really need. I don't really... I, it's hard to visualize it. Yeah, yeah. So you enter this room with a group of people you've asked to be a, a creative team with you. Uh-huh. And they'll be like, so what's the first shot? And your response is, I don't know. What do you think the first shot should be? And everyone is like, no, you tell me what the first shot is. Uh... I'm not here. We're not here to figure it out together. Yeah. We, I want you to tell me what this is. Mm. And I think... On bigger movies, on bigger pictures, you can play with things. You can play with ideas. Yeah. You can be, we can be like, let's shoot it this way. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then you shoot it a different way. That's why big time features film for three months. Yeah. So you have plenty of time to get right. whatever you might need. If a scene's not working, they go back and reshoot it until it works. And yeah. so, because they're spending millions of dollars on this thing. Sure, sure. And they can. So they just spend so much time trying to get it just right and just so. Right. Whereas when you're working on, a smaller independent film, you have 14 days, you have 12 days. Yeah. You have 90 pages in front of you. And and you have a more limited budget. A limited crew. You to, yeah. You got to roll through. You got to be, you got to kind of just plow through it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that makes more sense now to me. I mean. So people are looking to you for more like a firm direction. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is, I think something you got to just fake it until yeah so so in a in a very similar vein i've realized that i kind of do a similar thing out of a need to be a need to f- appear or feel like humble or that i have humility mm-hmm. do, you, do you know what i mean right where you know i don't want to be like okay this is how we're doing it like i come in i'm like yeah well um you know i mean here's what i think but you know whatever you guys i, I don't know what, what do you think like let's uh let's you know whatever and that ends up stalling out the process and now it is important to not always be like directive and be receptive to other ideas like you were saying like 
you might stumble upon something like in, in the example of shooting a film, like you might stumble upon a way to do a scene that was actually better than the way it was written. I mean, you hear so many people like talk about that all the time. Yeah. It, they happened a few times on the last short on good cop, mom cop. Uh-huh. I had it written in the script that the landlord opens the door to a girl's apartment. Yeah. And everyone's like, this is dumb. Why would there a landlord? Like, who would call a landlord for a key? Yeah. And I'm like, who wouldn't call a landlord to get a key? Yeah. I mean, why? Where else would you get the key from? Right. I mean, it was the victim's apartment. Yeah. She's dead. The landlord would make sense to call yeah. the landlord. And yeah. It's like, oh, that's dumb. You shouldn't. Have... Who? Nobody calls a landlord. And I'm like, what's the alternative? So they're like, why doesn't she just kick the door in? <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's cooler. Yeah. I mean, a, a I mean, solid you, door kicking is always a. You all are wrong that no one would call the landlord. But a door kick is cooler than. Yeah. I mean, well, we're talking about the difference between like real life and a movie and movies are in general better than real life right so in in this uh you know in this movie like yeah door kick solid yeah but in real life no uh i would how else would i get in i can't if i don't i think people who assume you would just kick the door have never actually kicked the door and probably don't know how difficult that might be right or maybe it's surprisingly easy i don't know i've never done it but yeah me neither i call the landlord (laughs) anyways um but yeah, exactly. Like, but I've realized that also sometimes I make the assumption that other people are as like mentally active and like, oh, you know, we all have to share our ideas and this has to be like a democracy of ideas and whatever. Um, whereas sometimes people are just looking for direction. I realized right. that like the first time I had to lead a meeting, we got nothing done because I wanted to be like, okay, is that, are we finished on this subject like does everyone have the information that they need whatever and we just kept bouncing around and doing whatever because i wasn't structuring it right and it's like i don't want to put off this like air of arrogance or something that like i know everything or like i know how things should be or whatever but at the same time if nobody kind of takes the reins on something things can get right you know way too so so i totally see what you mean like that that was something that i have to or i had to learn how to because by default i err too much on the side of caution where i'm like oh man like i don't want to look like i'm you know taking command or like i'm doing whatever like let's make this all we all you know share our ideas or share our whatever but then it ends up being inefficient right so i had to learn how to be like i'm not gonna come off as a dick basically if i just Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Like, why don't we do it this way? Mm-hmm. And you never. Know, that actually um, has been something I've been working on, and and this is kind of one of my things about being a part of a smaller team as a as opposed to being part of like a huge company. Mm-hmm. I come from you know a science background, so for me, it's like you test and then you retest and then you retest, and if it's replicable in those constraints, then you can kind of like derive a set of rules. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we have this, like we have these procedures at work about like, you know, contract negotiations or rewrites or anything and these complex stuff that, and one of the chief complaints about, you know, my team and my department is like, Oh, well on these really complex problems, it takes too many days. It's too long. Mm hmm. And so looking at this, I broke down what I thought, you know, some of the problems were was that, you know, well, 
it's one person working this complex problem, so they have to do it stepwise. When really, some of these things don't actually have anything to do with one another, so you could be doing those simultaneously. Uh So basically, I created this new workflow where I was like, no, 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 no. We have a team of like three people, if we have the given bandwidth, and then anything that we can do simultaneously, we're breaking up the responsibilities of this one problem that way it's done quicker as opposed to it taking three or four days it'll take one day right two days Mm -hmm. you know um but i had to present it in a sort in a certain way that like like i remember saying i was like no you know i'm in that sense i'm a little bit like the dalai lama where the dalai lama says you know when when people ask him uh oh, well, what happens if you find evidence of a Judeo-Christian God? He says, well, then I'll start practicing Christianity. Like, he's not so tied down to his beliefs that he's like, no, where you're making the data fit what you conceptualize or what you, what your thoughts are. Uh-huh. You just let the data points assemble, and then you construct your beliefs based on that. So that's kind of the thing, and that's why these kind of small team dynamics as opposed to large team dynamics are kind of more my speed, because it's like, a, it's easier to kind of, not in that dickish way, but like, you know, be able to take lead and be able to organize things or organize, as it were. Organized. But it's, but it's, oh yeah, but it's also easy to then have kind of this idea that, you know, we're not married to one type of procedure. If something works out better and if we can replicate the, that exact same efficiency or that, that good turn of events, then we start doing that. Mm-hmm. And then we do that until maybe we find a new way, and then we start doing that, and we and we keep evolving and adopting. But in a large, you know, company, you can't really do that because you have to have these playbooks and these procedures because you're always hiring on new people, and you always have to communicate with a million other departments and stuff like that. It kind of makes everything a little bit more messy and a little bit more like so. You have to stay concrete. You stay concrete, yeah. But if you're uh, attempting a new procedure like that, there definitely needs to be some sort of moment where everybody this is how it's going to be done for right today yeah let's do it like this then we can move forward and get things done right if it works it works if it doesn't we'll go back to the old way yeah yeah but uh there wasn't really that much of that happening on this werewolf shoot no um it took me three days to figure out that wasn't ever going to happen so then i started uh, kind of doing it myself there's a day where uh we were going to shoot on this alley, this dirt road uh, by a park. Uh-huh. That's kind of far out. There are trees on it. He wanted a road with trees, and he wanted to backlight these trees. And there was no way for me to backlight the trees without renting gear. And we didn't have money to rent gear. And also, I didn't know we were backlighting trees until it was, till we were there. I didn't, I didn't really read the script. I read the first like five pages, and it was very uh, just dialogue with a little bit of action line in it. So I had no idea what was really happening in the scene. Except oh. these people were talking to each other. And I didn't... Like, there was a scene I read... Wait, wait. Most scripts that I've read actually end up being, like, dialogue and then broken up with, like... Uh, what is that called? Blocking? Or, like... Uh, uh... Action lines. They're called action lines. Okay, action lines. Yeah, yeah, Th- This was just mostly... It was mostly dialogue and some action lines. But, like, there was a scene where I was reading it and it, I thought the characters were in a bar... When I was reading it, <laughs> and I remember that was like the only scene I really read. And then when we went and shot it, it was in front of a trailer outside. And I, I, I was like, "Wait, doesn't this doesn't the scene happen in a bar?" <laughs> and I didn't say it out loud. 
Yeah, that, you just keep that to yourself. And I'm like, oh, I should really attempt to go back and read the script before we shoot some more. And I never did. I should have. That was on me. That yeah, was on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I don't think I would have benefited from reading. Because obviously I was visualizing different things yeah. than what was actually occurring, being presented. Yeah. And then there would be, there's like a, he sent out a schedule and it was like, it was like a weird table in Times New Roman, which uh-huh. I obviously did not yeah, that you already respect at all. Since then, by the way, I did quick interjection. I haven't written in Times New Roman ever again. Nice. Calibri Light is my, <laughs> is my favorite font. I don't know why I'm on such a Times New Roman. Hate. I don't know either, man. You, it's just standardized. What's the issue? I don't know. I don't know what's happened. Okay, well, I'm just 100 percent against Times New Roman for some reason. Fair enough. I guess I can't argue that. Uh, it's better than Comic Sans. Amazon changed their website font, I think, and it's Times New Romany. Is it really? And I'm like, I don't want to order from Amazon anymore. Are you gonna email Jeff Bezos? I'm canceling my Prime. Oh my god. I might be wrong. But on my on my computer, I don't know if it's like a site thing that I set up on accident, but mm-hmm. I'm totally changing it. Oh. oh, even on my app, it looks pretty Times New Romany. So, um, yeah, hard pass on that. But the schedule was, it wasn't, uh, it was like day third, or like, I don't know. I had a hard time reading the schedule. It was like Thursday, or it didn't say the day of the week. It was like June 13th, which yeah. immediately throws me off. Why? Because I, I kind of want to know... Uh- Oh, you is it a Thursday? Yeah, is it a Friday? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I get that, you know, the days I can, if I have to pull out a calendar to figure out it's on like a Thursday or a Wednesday, it's, I don't know. For me, I like to know the day, the day's name of Thursday, June 21st, whatever the yeah, day yeah. is. I feel like that's better for people because mm-hmm. people read calendars differently. Yeah. I don't know. I can say, hey, we're going to shoot next Thursday. It's like, you know when next Thursday is. Right. It's four days from now, five days from now. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I say we're shooting on the uh, 6th, that's weird. Yeah. Well, that, and, and then if calendar. you want to take that one step further, even worse than that are the people that say things like, yeah, we're going to have a cadence of updates bi-monthly. What does that mean? The fuck does that mean? Yeah, is that exactly. every other week? Yeah, it's like, is that every other week? Or do you mean two months? Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I'm not trying to decode this. Just tell me. Just tell me every two weeks. Right. Every so, two weeks on a Wednesday. I don't know. I feel like that's important in schedule communication. Yeah. For some, I know it's a silly thing, but well, at the no, same but time. Get everyone on the same page so that we have an understanding of like what is expected when. Yeah. But then, uh, so it'd be like location, June 12th. These are the pages we're shooting, and it's like page 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 16, yeah. 17. And it's like 10, 12 pages. And I'm like, this is a ridiculous amount of work here. Yeah. And then uh, there's like a box that had all these, um, he called it a shot list. And it was like car mount, uh, a steady cam, small gimbal rig, uh, like all these expensive camera things. Uh-huh. And I'm like, so he's already thought this out. So he must have them ordered already. Oh, my God. Or he must have this already or- organized to himself. Because if I were to put something like that on a list, like me, if I were to say, hey, we're shooting page 14 on the 12th with a car mount, I would go out and rent the car mount because I'm the one with the money 
producing this production. Well, moreover, if you're the one who understands what you need for a certain day and you're putting it out there, I think that's intrinsically understood that like that's you are the actionable item there. Right. If we if you don't want to say, hey, come have a sit down with me for a day or an hour. Yeah. Yeah. To go through all these ideas I have to plan out how to execute uh-huh. car mount on the 12th. Sure. Or 14 pages of dialogue or whatever. Yeah. Then then sure, I'll take responsibility of that after you give me some money to go rent some gear. Yeah. Uh, on this, the Good Cop, Mom Cop shoot, mm-hmm. uh, I tried having a meeting with uh, the DP, and things, our schedule's never lined up for a meeting. He, yeah. It kept getting pushed off, mm. I think, for multiple reasons. I don't know why. <laughs> but I was like, dude, we have to talk about this. We're shooting uh, tomorrow. Or in two days, we have to have a talk about this. Oh, my this. God. That sounds stressful we as fuck. We have to talk about this. And he's like, all right, I can be there for, for – I, I have two hours free tomorrow. I'm like, perfect. So we went we drove to all the locations. We walked through the locations. I said, oh, I have this idea for this one shot. It's like a long, sweeping shot. And it's uh, I was thinking like a curved track and blah, 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 blah. He's like, okay, I think we can try it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I want this and I want this. He's like, oh, we should rent type one of these things too. I'm like – Yes, that's fine. How much money do you need? Yeah. He's like, I need X amount of dollars. So I gave him some money. He went and rented the gear. He brought it, and we had a great shoot. I mean, that looks really good. Good. There's some movement. There's some this. There's some that. Yeah, yeah. Looks pretty good. That did not happen with this werewolf feature. No. Okay. So because it wasn't organized, did he just assume you were going to bring all the stuff? I think so. Yeah. Why would he assume that? Exactly. Like, if that were the case, you initially, upon being hired or whatever, yeah, exactly. That would have been a separate conversa- conversation. Yeah. I don't think you can just make sweeping expectations like that. I think because the DPI replaced, he has some of this gear. Like, he oh. has, like, a gimbal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, like, a smaller camera. And he has, uh, they're not his lights, but they're someone else's lights that he uses all the time. Uh-huh. And I think he had them the last time he worked with this guy. Oh. So, I think he assumed... Oh, everybody has this gear. That's a pretty naive assumption. Yeah. Hmm. So you weren't exactly scheduled on days. And then also there was never like meetings to set up kind of a foundation. Right. Or, or I guess what they call um what they call in my work like a reporting cadence. Where essentially They use that word a lot. Cadence. Cadence. Word of the day. Um, where essentially it's like, okay. Every week on this day, or we're shooting for th- these days on these weeks, but we're checking in, making sure we're on track for everything. This day at this time, this day at this time, this day at this time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, even if we're not necessarily working on the product itself, we're checking in and making sure, like, all right, do we have everything in place we need? If we don't, how can we get what we need? Blah, 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 that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. And, and I mean, I don't know much about, like, film or or anything like that but i think that that's something that's kind of critical to make sure when you're working on things that you can't just do entirely by yourself yeah you kind of need to be able to make sure like everyone can understand what the heck is happening at any given moment right right because if if you had to disappear for five minutes yeah people could still like oh i know we're close to doing this scene maybe i'll start prepping for that right right yeah i mean not only will that like make everything more efficient in general but also especially with something like a movie where, you know, 
sound like visual cues and sound relay a whole lot of information that isn't like it's not just if you were just taking things at at um surface value you know then everything would just be relayed by dialogue yeah but that's not how it works right it's a combination of the dialogue the intention how the people are like the visual aspect of it how people are moving how they're whatever what the set is all this kind of stuff uh what the music is in the background what the you know it can you hear something close up or far away um like i forget what movie that was but there's a really good example. Of it. I think I saw this on Lessons from the Screenplay when you introduced me to that YouTube channel. And then okay. I went like hard in the paint and just <laughs> watched like all of them. Okay. Um, I think there's there's something in, in that about um, about how the sound used in a – like it's an example of how sound used in a particular scene like tells you the story. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And that's just one aspect of it. So it's like you're going to get such a muddled product if everybody, if you haven't been checking in and making sure everyone's on the same page, now you've got one guy who's doing possibly, like maybe everything works all in sync on accident. Yeah. I'm sure I'm, it, it all makes sense in his head. Sure. And he says we got whatever we needed. So then, you know, then I'm then I'm sure you did. But, it, but it's also like you're, you know, you might end up... It, it, with less capable people, you might end up with a muddled product where, you know, the visual cues are putting off something that the sound isn't. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, you, you just end up with something that's not quite as resonant and uh, powerful as what it could have been. Right. Um, that sounds really hard. It was a little hard. And it was, it was, I was working with that, you know, guy distracted by shiny things. And, and uh, orange. And orange. Um uh, it was a. It was. It felt long, but you know, we kept it. I try to keep it. I try to be have a good time. Yeah. And so we got through it. We got everything we needed shot. But the things that I learned were how to uh, all the things I never knew I was doing wrong with communicating. Yeah. And I know what the heck is going on. What people say I don't do. Yeah. It makes more sense to me now. Two, uh, just treating people better for volunteering their time. I feel like a thing that upset me about this shoot was every day we'd show up and the director would buy everybody a bottle of Gatorade and that was it for the day. Right. That was like your beverage for the day. And that was your beverage for the day. It's funny. And there was, there was a night where we were shooting to like three in the morning and we got there. I got there at one thirty, and we, we spent too long blocking out what was going to happen throughout the day. And I tried getting this one scene shot as soon as possible, and it just took forever for some reason. And so uh, we were there till three in the morning. And then at one point, I was like, "So what's for dinner?" Because it was like eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, uh, we'll just Uber Eats it. We'll get something from Uber Eats." And I'm like, "All right, fine." And so uh, he decided on Smash Burger, which okay. is it's a good burger joint. Yeah, totally. I mean, it makes sense. Burgers are quick. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so he. It takes forever to get everybody's order. There's like 20 people there. No, there's like 10 people there. And well, and that's also you're offering way too much customization. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, by the time everybody gets their order done, uh, Smash Burger is closed. Oh my God. <laughs> so then it's like, what else is open at 10 o'clock at night? And so we just ended up getting pizza. And I have this thing against pizza on set. Uh, I, I feel like it's a total cop out. 
because it's you know maximum amount of food for the least amount of money right and i feel like that's sort of disrespectful to everybody especially if they're there to volunteer their time yeah and yeah i'm not going to spend an extra 10 bucks per and they're not going to spend an extra you know 15 20 bucks yeah to get like a real meal yeah it's like come on come on that's a that's a very interesting perspective I don't. I, I don't know. I always. I, I associate that with like uh, film school and like every every student set everybody ate pizza, but yeah. everybody was cool with it back in the day because that's all we ever ate. Yeah, yeah. because it was cheap and, 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 you're, cheap and easy. you're like on a smaller scale, small budget, like you know, yeah, yeah. But uh, like the sound guy is his, his uh, stepdad, like his wife's dad is his audio guy, uh-huh. and he's this total legit pro. And I'm like, this guy's been in, done some cool things. Yeah. And you're you're giving them like something that's worth twelve cents for the, right? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see what you're saying. That <laughs> that sounds frustrating as shit. And it's like I'm in my mid thirties. He's in his thirties, maybe late thirties. I don't know. I think he's older than me. You're getting too old for this shit, right? And it's just like, come on, come on, dude. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I. Uh, that's that's kind of one of those things where it's like you know, you don't necessarily want to like pull rank or like try and you know, uh, uh, be aggressive about like, all right, well, somebody has got to organize this. I'm going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. but like that might be one of those cases. Um, do you know what a Pyrrhic victory is? Of course I do. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Oh, oh, come on. Everybody knows Everybody that. Everybody knows that. I have a shirt that says that. <laughs> um, I still want a shirt that says, uh, boys night. It'll happen. It will happen. Can I get one by, Murder Mystery Night? Who? Hopefully. I don't know. I still need to make one more Murder Mystery short. I have lots uh, of things to do. Well, but I'm looking at your calendar right now that you have hung up on the wall, and you've got plenty of time. Yeah, well, but there's a mm, thing on every day of that calendar. I, I don't mean like that, like it's an empty calendar. I just mean... Oh, there's time? What is it, the first today? Yeah. Ooh, actually, no, that's not a whole lot of time. No, it's not. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I have like three months to get this all figured out. Well, um, if you need a shitty actor. Cool. I'm available. <laughs> or I can make myself available. No, that's the hard part about this next short is trying to find the, the right actors with the right looks mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. It's really hard for some reason. This is for uh, Downshift. For Downshift. I yeah. want it to be a more, uh, like I want like a Hispanic lead yeah and i want a hispanic uncle well yeah the, the way it was written in the script like the the characters were specific mm-hmm. to about uh, the the lead and the the was he a public defender was he a prosecutor the uncle is a private district attorney district, district attorney. attorney yeah i they're all like law and order terms i, yeah, I yeah, yeah. you know I, I don't know one thing from the other <laughs> that was another thing i found interesting about this werewolf movie i was talking to the director he's he's black and he's like do you know any like black comedic actors i'm like no but i can look around yeah and so i i never followed through with it i think i got busy or something happens or i never heard back from him yeah something like that it it happens yeah and everybody on this cast was just like white White. yeah and uh it was bizarre i thought it was a little weird yeah yeah that's um i don't know why that is but it seems like most of the people that are in like the quote-unquote talent pool or whatever are not representative of the kind of like roles that you're trying to cast right well i think the thing is well growing up that's all you ever saw in those roles right so it's kind of hard to yeah 
but also I think culturally, I think for, especially for like Mexicans, I mean, being, having feelings and yeah, yeah, you totally, know, totally. Uh, especially for a male, I mean, you're supposed to be this macho male figure. Yeah. You know, I drive a giant truck, even though I'm five, four. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm like emoting this maleness. Yeah. Yeah. That you can't mess with me. But in like trying to break that down a little bit and take a step back and, you know, have feelings and portray that as, as another character, I think is uh, a little hurdle to overcome. Yeah. It's right. Oh, it's my dad going to think of this. Right. Right. Or like, or how does this fit with my personal narrative in a sense? Like, yeah. You know, or, or even in general, like acting that's for the birds, you know? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. That makes it hard to cast, but uh, it's going well. It's going well. But now I'm excited to work on this one just to see if everybody doesn't make, doesn't complain about my communication. Because now I've learned some lessons and I'm ready to rock and roll. So there's the process of what's called reconsolidation. I used to work on a, a protocol, a research protocol on this. Uh, not a, a research cadence. A research cadence. <laughs> um, reconsolidation is essentially the transformation of short-term memory into long-term memory. And it's kind of unclear the biochemical process that occurs there. There's like something called the synaptic tag theory and all this kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, of course, obviously. I mean, yeah, the synaptic, you have a hat that says that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but basically, the idea is that if you take the time to process the information of something that you've learned, so you, you ruminate on it and then you apply it again, and then you ruminate on it, and then you apply it again, it will now be cemented. It won't be a short-term thing. It'll be a long-term memory. Like, it will be long-term storage. Uh -huh. So I think that's kind of the interesting thing that you're kind of applying here is you're like, okay, I figured out kind of what the chief complaint is. Here's my solution to that chief complaint. Now I'm going to apply it, and I'm going to test it. And if that has a positive response, then obviously you're, like, consolidating that process and, like, making that your new your new trajectory of yeah. sorts. Yeah. Which is Peric Victory, named after, you know, this ancient general Paris who uh would suffer these crazy losses in battle, but always ended up winning the war mm -hmm. in a total. And that's because, you know, the basically the principle of like win or learn, right? You don't actually lose, you just like figure out, okay, what didn't work there and then do it differently. Test it, retest it, test it, retest it. Right. Which is, that's a, a, essentially my entire, like, uh, that's what I aim to market. That's you? As my, yeah, like, exactly. Like, I'm the person who will do the, the legwork to figure out what, what is not working, how to make it better, test it. If it works better, great. If it doesn't, scrap it. You know, and we just, like, keep this up. Uh, it's like if I was to draw a, uh, a line going upwards, then you stumble in a loop, and then you loop back around you see what I'm saying? So you keep this upwards trend. Yeah, it's like using the moon's gravitational pull to throw you back to Earth. Apollo 13. Oh, my God. I was like, I was like where is he going with this? <laughs> Houston, yeah. we have a problem. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.